everybody, my name is Andrew and welcome to the Bundesliga. This is episode 24, where we're kind of going to talk about match day 24, but there's a lot behind the scenes and a lot about German culture and German football culture that we're going to talk about as well in the deep dive, because there's a lot to discuss about what went on this weekend. So with that being said, definitely stick around for the deep dive after the match day coverage, because that's where the bulk of the show will be and probably the most interesting analysis of the show will be. So definitely stick around for that. But first, we do have to knock out the match day, so let's get that out of the way right now. All right, so first let's talk about some teams that we don't really mention that much, and that is Hertha Berlin and Fortuna Dusseldorf. I've mentioned before how Hertha's not having the best luck this season. They're the worst team from Berlin between themselves and Union. They're just not looking that good. They recently fired Jürgen Klinsmann because they were on a pretty bad streak, so going into this match, we're kind of watching them see how they're going to do. Finally, Hertha scores some goals. They get three goals in this game. However, that's not enough because Dusseldorf comes back, scores three as well, and it's a 3-3 tie. So Hertha really can't seem to get a break this year. It's not their year at all. In this match, Fortuna scores a lot early on, all their goals in the first half. Hertha actually is the one that comes back and scores all their goals in the last half hour of the game to get themselves a point out of it. But even with scoring three goals, it's not enough for them to get the three points. Hertha only gets one out of this, and they get a tie with Fortuna Dusseldorf. Next up, one of the teams towards the top, we got Dortmund versus SC Freiburg, Sporting Club Freiburg. So here, Dortmund showed that they don't only rely on Erling Haaland, they can also have other guys get it done as well. Especially one youngster, Jaden Sancho. He nets his 14th goal of the season. Now he is definitely one of the most impressive players on Dortmund and in the Bundesliga in general, if not for being overshadowed by Holland and his awesome introduction into the Bundesliga. Jaden Sancho has 14 goals in the season as well as 14 assists. So he is provider just as often as he is goal scorer and that makes him very dangerous, very dynamic and a great asset for Dortmund for sure. I hope they're able to keep on to him in the offseason, hold on to him, and keep him in their lineup, because if they do, they can be a very competitive team for years and years and years to come. We'll see if that's able to happen. Dortmund look really good this year, and I hope that they can keep a core of their great players, because that'll continue to make the league more fun and competitive. All right, next up, another match towards the top of the table. Here we have Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Augsburg. Now, Augsburg gives Borussia Gladbach a run for their money here. The final score is a 3-2 win for Gladbach, but it did not come easy. Now, Gladbach's Lars Stindl gets two goals, so that definitely helps out in their victory. Finn Wagesen steals one back for Augsburg in the end, but it's not enough to get them the victory. Now, Finn Wagesen's actually a player that I haven't really heard his name much this year. Usually he's right around double digit scoring, 10, 12, 15 goals, but this year he only has three so far. I don't know if he's been injured, if he's been sitting on the bench and not getting much starting time, but Finn Bogusen is definitely a player that I expect at least 10 goals from a season, and he's definitely far behind that. So that might be a contributing factor to why Augsburg is not doing that well this season. But Gladbach gets the victory. They're still up there in the title race, and they still have one match left to play, one match in hand against Cologne. 
Alright, moving on here, we have Bayer Leverkusen versus RB Leipzig. So Bayer actually brings this game to Leipzig just like they did to Dortmund a couple weeks ago, and they're the better team here. However, in the end, it is only a 1-1 tie. So with Leipzig chasing Bayern currently in second place, this might as well be a loss for Leipzig because now they potentially widen the gap between themselves and Bayern sitting at the top, which is not what they want to do at this point in the season. And it seems like Leverkusen is definitely trying to solidify their championship spot so that Schalke and other teams behind them like Wolfsburg can't catch up. And they're doing it not only by beating lower league teams, but they're doing it by beating Dortmunds, by getting points out of Leipzig. So Bayer Leverkusen is definitely pretty dangerous at this point in the year. In this match, Bayer get 15 shots, six of which are on target. They have 63% of the possession. So it looks like they were able to shut down whatever plan Nagelsmann had for Leipzig going into this match for sure. And with this point they got here, it looks like they're knocking on the door of a Champions League spot. They're getting pretty close to Gladbach and might be able to kick them out of their Champions League spot. So that race right there is definitely heating up for sure. All right, one of the other matches I want to talk about this week is going to perfectly transition us into our deep dive, and that is TSG Hoffenheim versus Bayern Munich. Now, this game is a total and complete domination by Bayern. 25 shots on goal, 11 shots on target, six goals out of that. We have a brace from Felipe Coutinho, and all of this is done without Lewandowski. So this team shows that they can get the job done even if Lewandowski is out of the match. And that is definitely key, especially seeing how great form Lewandowski's in. It shows that this team doesn't have to rely on him, but is even better with him there, but can get the job done if Lewandowski is injured or can't play for a game or two. So that is huge. I'm sure it's huge for the confidence of the team and the Bayern players. And Lewandowski's probably pretty happy watching the team win without him as well. So like I said, we got a brace by Felipe Coutinho. We have two assists by Thomas Muller, who is in top, top form right now, just amazing form. Hopefully this makes Jurgi Love rethink his decision to get rid of Muller from the national team because right now he is just in top form and showing why he deserves to be there. We also had some great games from Davies, and the youngster Xerxes gets another goal. I believe it's his third Bundesliga goal this season, so congrats to him. He is doing pretty well. However, this match was definitely overshadowed by some incidents by the Bayern traveling fans, the ultras traveling fans in the crowd. So we're going to transition right into our deep dive. We're going to talk about what happened, what that means for the teams, what that means for the league, and kind of get some history and analysis into there and really dive into the minutia of all this because it is very interesting and I think as a podcast that teaches about German soccer to fans that might not understand German soccer and understand the Bundesliga, this is some important stuff here. All right, let's get right into it. All right, so what actually happened this weekend in the Bundesliga between the ultras and the referees and the fans and the teams? Let's get into that. So in the Hoffenheim versus... Bayern match, the Bayern Ultras put up a banner roughly around the 75th minute that had a sign that was an insult to Dietmar Hopp, who is the owner of the technology company SAP, 
and also the owner of the team Hoffenheim. Now the sign read something that roughly translates into son of a whore or son of a bitch. So it's a pretty big insult towards the owner of Hoffenheim. So first the referee stops the game. Once the game is stopped, we saw Hansi Flick, uh, Bayern's coach and different members of the team. I remember seeing Alaba and Neuer and different players all walk up to the traveling away corner to encourage their fans to put the banner away, to get rid of it, to behave because they're winning 6-0 and the referee would be well within his right here to end the match and Bayern would not get the victory if that happened. So they're definitely encouraging their team, their fans, to get rid of that banner because they're ahead by such a great margin and this would just ruin all that. On top of it being very insulting, very sexist, and a very not nice, let's say, thing to do for sure. So the fans end up putting the banner away for a bit, but in the meantime, the referee initiated a, a sequence that the Bundesliga has to respond to fan incidents, which is to first stop the game, second to call the teams into the tunnel until the incident is resolved, and the third step of which would be to call the game completely, cancel it, and then there's no result. So, first step was already initiated, he initiates the second step, calls both teams into the tunnel. I remember watching this on FS1, they actually even cut away from the game and cut to the Dortmund, I believe, Freiburg game for a few minutes, and then once the fans put the banner away, they were able to restart the game and brought the teams out of the tunnel, led by Karl-Heinz Rummenegger, the president of Bayern, walking hand-in-hand hand with Dietmar Hopp, who is the target of these insults. They walk out together, and then the match is restarted. So, once the match is restarted, you have one of the most odd displays of football I've ever seen, where for the last 12 minutes of the match, both teams stand pretty much near the center circle, kick the ball back and forth, play keepsy-upsy, juggle the ball, just passing it around like a bunch of students would do on break or something, just kicking the ball around for fun. And this goes on for 12 minutes. Neither team tries to attack, neither team tries to score, neither team makes any kind of tactical plays. They just stand in the middle of the pitch and kick the ball around, chatting with each other. Now this was a show of solidarity between Bayern and Hoffenheim against the insulting banners that the Bayern Ultras presented at the game and to show them that kind of conduct is unacceptable and that they won't stand for it and they will stand in solidarity with Hoffenheim. So that is pretty much the incident of what happened. Now, that's one incident. There was another incident that pretty much almost the same thing happened and that was in the Union Berlin versus Wolfsburg match. That match was a 2-2 tie, but during that match, I believe it was right around the end of the first half, their ultras also presented a banner with an insult to Dietmar Hopp, the owner of Hoffenheim. And same thing happened, the referee first stopped the match, the players walked over and told their fans to put the insulting banner away, and this match actually was able to then continue and they played the rest of the first half and then finished the second half like a normal match without further incident. But this leads the question into why are ultras across the league doing this? Why is it targeted against Hoffenheim? And what is the situation between the ultras, clubs, the teams, and the referees and the German football authorities? So let's talk about all of that. So what does all this mean? Let me give you guys some context. 
in Germany, in German football, there is a rule called the 50 plus one rule. I'm not gonna go too much into that now, but if you wanna check it out, there's a video in the description and probably an article or two explaining what that is in more detail, and I might do a future deep dive into it on another episode. But what it boils down to is that all Bundesliga clubs are supporter-owned. There's no corporate sponsorship, nothing like that. They're all owned by the supporters, at least 50 shares plus one share. 50% of the team plus one share must be owned by the supporters themselves. This makes the supporters and the ultra groups and all the fan clubs a part of the team, not just fans that come and watch on weekends. They are involved in decisions, everything from changing jersey colors to changing the logo to things like that. They're involved, they have voting power, at least 50% plus one share. That way, no rich person company can come in and impose their will over that of what the fans and supporters who own the club want. That's how it's supposed to work with few exceptions. So let me give you a quick explanation of the four teams that have exceptions to the 50 plus one rule and how that happened and then we'll move on to the meat of this. So those four teams are Wolfsburg, Bayer Leverkusen, Hoffenheim, and RB Leipzig. Wolfsburg and Bayer have exceptions due to the fact of the teams themselves were started by factory workers who worked for the Wolfsburg car company and for Bayer Leverkusen manufacturing factory and plant of the Bayer pharmaceutical company. So those two have that exception. Hoffenheim was able to get an exception through a rule where if you finance a team for more than 20 years, you're allowed to have more than 50% ownership. That's how Dietmar Hopp was able to become a majority owner of Hoffenheim. So Dietmar Hopp is a technology billionaire genius. He started a company called SAP, which became one of the biggest technology firms in Germany, if not the entire world. Through that and his investment and his business acumen, he became a multi-billionaire and now supports all kinds of philanthropic causes throughout Germany. And as part of what he wanted to do, he purchased his small local club called Hoffenheim, which he played for in the youth academy as a child. So between the late 90s and mid 2000s, he was able to get Hoffenheim from the eighth tier of German soccer, which is pretty much amateur level, to the second Bundesliga. And then from there, he was able to actually get them promoted to the first Bundesliga. And to this day, they've been there for 10 plus years. They've been in the first Bundesliga. Leipzig is a more recent one, and their ownership is probably the most shady exception to the 50 plus one rule. RB Leipzig is owned by the Red Bull Energy Drink Company out of Austria. And there's a whole scheme we'll get into later on about how they were able to circumvent the rule. But essentially, it goes down to the fact of Instead of being a supporter-owned club, the only supporters that are allowed to own a share in the club are Red Bull executives and employees. Therefore, they're technically supporter-owned, but all the owners are members of the Red Bull executive branch and company. So that's kind of how they got around that. And I'll go into a deep dive on that maybe in a future episode. But for now, that's all you need to know. Almost every single team in the Bundesliga supports the 50 plus one rule. It's part of the culture, it's part of the fan experience, it's part of how fans get to own 
and interact with their team and it really gives them a sense of ownership more so than a weekend hobby. You feel like you're a member of this team because you are, you own a part of it, you have a stake in it and that makes a lot more passionate fans and it fills the stadiums every single week. That's an awesome, unique part of German culture and German football that no one wants to change. But some of these clubs through getting exceptions to these rules and breaking these rules are annoying and pissing off a lot of the ultra clubs and that's what's happening here. Now, the Bebe Bay Ultras started putting up protest banners and signs against Dietmar Hopp in the late 2000s and they got a warning from the DFL, didn't really stop, they kept doing it again. Dietmar Hopp did something controversial where he installed microphones in the stands to try to pick out which fans were the ones starting these chants and putting up these signs and everyone felt that was a huge violation of fan culture and of ultra culture and mostly of human rights and freedoms to say what you want to say. So that was a big, big no-no for the ultras. And it wasn't even Dortmund fans and ultras that got pissed. This spread league-wide. All the ultra organizations of almost every Bundesliga club started standing against Hop for doing this. You have a rich white billionaire who has power and money and he is individually targeting and actually filing lawsuits against individual members of supporter clubs for speaking their mind about a rule that he's circumventing. So that left a bad taste in all the ultra clubs' mouth for sure. And then these protests continued, continued, continued. Now what happened more recently was the DFL gave the Dortmund Ultras a warning not to do these banners, not to do these chants again, which they did not listen to and then they gave them a two-year ban from traveling to Hoffenheim away games. This was after they had promised in 2017, the president of the DFL promised that they would not do any more collective punishments, meaning punish entire supporter clubs for the actions of some individual supporters. Well, they saw this as the line in the sand that was crossed and once they gave them a two-year ban against traveling to away stadiums, the cat's out of the hat, all the ultra clubs in the entire Bundesliga are now squarely against the DFL, and that kind of leads us into this weekend. So other ultra groups, including Bayerns, this weekend also showed a sign against Dietmar Hopp, insulting him, calling him some of a whore. Some other teams, I think it was Dortmund back in the day, showed signs of Dietmar Hopp with a a scope or a target on his head, things like that. Now, am I gonna be here supporting the fact that they're insulting Hop or that they're showing him in crosshairs? No, that's absolutely wrong, and there's more respectful ways of voicing your opinion. However, when it comes to freedom of speech, to ultra clubs, to expression, to the right to protest, that is where the DFL messed up and pissed off these ultra clubs. When they supported a rich white billionaire who installed microphones to listen in on fans in the stadium and is spending his ginormous money and power to individually take these people to court and then the DFL supports him in efforts to ban fans from coming to the way stadiums, that is a direct assault on German fan culture, on German ultra culture, and on fan clubs themselves, and they really didn't like that. So while this 
incident is an insult to Hop. It's a message to the German football authorities that you cannot control us. We do not consent to any of these punishments, and you guys messed up. You guys drew the line in the sand saying there's no collective punishment. Then you broke that by giving us a two-year ban, which is a collective punishment. So they pissed off all the ultra clubs, even though Bayern never got that ban. Their ultras are banding together with the Dortmund ultras against this. You also saw it at Union versus Wolfsburg. If the Union fans put up a banner against Hop in a match that didn't even involve Hoffenheim. So this really is not about the fans and Hoffenheim or the fans and specifically Dimar Hop. It's become bigger than that, and it is between the ultra clubs and the supporter groups and the German football authority itself. And that is where the majority of the problem lies. I think right now we're at a, at a turning point because there's really no side that's willing to back down. And it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. The other point of note is that this process that the DFL has for stopping games through crowd incidents has never been used for sexist incidents, has never been used for racist incidents, of which there's plenty of both, but the first time it's used is against an insult towards a rich white team owner who is able to finance his way to get his team from the eighth league to the first, from the eighth tier of German football to the first through investing upwards of 350 million euros to get his team promoted. So you understand why the fans are upset, and then when the league ends up backing up this multi-billionaire, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth, and they feel like not only are they not being heard, not being listened to, they're being censored, their free speech is not being heard, and they're not even allowed to protest it anymore. So it really is interesting that that is their point of view. It's not necessarily against Hop, although it started that way. Now it's about the fact of you won't let us protest, you only punish us instead of punishing when there are other teams that have racist incidents, sexist incidents. You never stop the games there. You never send the teams away in the tunnel there. You never come and talk to those fans. But when we post an insulting banner calling someone a son of a bitch or a son of a whore, then you come and stop the game and you make us put it down. That's what it's come down to. And it's a pretty, pretty tense situation right now. So that's kind of where all that stands right now. Like I said, it's very tense. I don't know where it's gonna go. I imagine that these protests will continue over the coming days and weeks and match days. And honestly, my opinion here is that of, while the fans are in the wrong of posting pictures of hopping crosshairs and targets and calling them a son of a whore and all these insults, they are not wrong in exercising their freedom of expression. They're not wrong in being mad, rightfully so, at the German footballing authority for allowing Dietmar Hopp to use his power unequally. And they do have a point here, and I support them in their efforts to have their voice heard, to have their protests be heard, and hopefully somehow we're able to come to a conclusion here where both sides at least understand each other and their points of view and can move on amicably. Will that happen? Definitely not this year, but maybe in the future it can. All right, now the last thing for this week, I guess, is the man of the match day. 
and I'm gonna go ahead and call that for Felipe Coutinho. He had two goals in today's match against Hoffenheim, so that was a nice return of form to him. With Lewandowski out, he definitely picked up some of the slack, is playing a lot better. He was going through a bit of a lull before going into this weekend, and there were talks of not signing him from Barcelona at the end of the season or letting his loan expire, but now he is showing that he might deserve a spot here. So congrats to Felipe Coutinho on Man of the Match Day with his two goals. Now in the show notes, there's going to be a lot of stuff. First couple things are highlights. Got the Fortuna versus Hertha game, Augsburg versus Gladbach, Leipzig versus Leverkusen, Bayern versus Hoffenheim, and I'll probably throw in some videos of the Union Berlin Wolfsburg game as well because there was a protest to that one. Then I'll have a screenshot of the banner that the Bayern Ultras put up, a quick explanation of the 50 plus one rule, an article about the history of Dietmar Hopp, his investment into Hoffenheim and why that creates controversy. And then there will actually be a video as well of the Bayern versus Hoffenheim kind of solidarity they showed where they kicked the ball around so you could see the incident unfold in its entirety. So all of that will be in the show notes. It's jam-packed. I know this is a jam-packed episode, but there's a lot to talk about here. So definitely check out the show notes to get more context on a lot of that. That being said, that is all I have for you guys this week. Definitely check me out on Instagram. My my handle is welcome to the Bundesliga with underscores between each word. That is welcome to the Bundesliga with underscores between each word. My email is w2bundesliga at gmail.com. That is w the number two bundesliga at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you guys for sure. And that's all I got for you guys this week. My name is Andrew. I'll see you next time. Yeah.